just so great to worship with you. All of you worshiping with us online. Happy Thanksgiving to you. So glad that you could join us this way. Um, if you ever found yourself in that moment where you were confronted with a situation and you had to pause and you had to decide whether you're going to muster up the courage to move forward or whether you're going to retreat back to the comfort of your safety and security zone. Have you ever, ever had that moment? We're just kind of like, you know, in this moment, like I, I'm either going to have to put on my big boy pants and move forward. I'm going to have to stir up the courage, muster it up, uh, or I can choose a different path. You ever had that moment, right? Uh, for me, uh, I remember one significant one a number of years ago, and, and uh, I was with my brother-in-law, Troy, and this was before Holly and I were dating. I was pursuing Holly, so I was trying to get to know her family a little bit, right? If you get in with the family, you know, you have a better uh, odds of getting in with the person you're pursuing. And, and so I was with him, and it was just the two of us, and we were driving on a road trip, and uh, we came to a bridge on a hot summer day, and uh, Troy said, hey, you want to jump off the bridge and go for a swim? And I thought, well, if you want to, I will, right? And so we pulled over and we got to this bridge and, uh, and there was people jumping off the bridge and it was just not like a, it was like, there was like the normal bridge where the other people were jumping off. But then there's also this iron girder. You ever seen a bridge with like the iron girder that goes up, you know, across over top of the bridge, like the little trussle thing? And Troy looked at me and he goes, let's climb up there. And so I climbed up there with him because I was trying to impress him. I don't know what the, the motivation was, but I found myself on this trestle. And so I'm just saying to you, all the kids and students and my children, don't do it, okay? Don't do it. <laughs> Unless you're going to be a preacher one day, and then it'll give you an awesome sermon illustration that you could use. But, but I found myself, and I'm not afraid of heights, but I'm also not a fan of heights. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and I'm consider myself a smart person. I'm pretty smart in my mind anyways. And so to jump off of a bridge is, means like I have to overcome fear, but I also have to come the logic of my mind, right? Like if my, all the smarts in me are like, this is not a good idea, right? And so I'm up there and I'm like, why am I, a, like I, I could fall onto the road, I could fall onto the sidewalk, I could fall into the lake, whatever it is. I, this is not a good idea. And as I was up there, I was trying to muster up the courage, like to, to be honest, like, like I had fear gripping my heart, right? I had the fear and, and I had to decide, am I going to climb back down the iron girder, which I think was, would have been the harder choice actually, or am I going to jump, right? And so I looked at my brother-in-law and said, I, I don't know about this. And he said, come on. He said, Holly's done this lots of times. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, well, I guess that settles it. Here we go. Right? And you only need courage for a moment, right? You just have to you know, overcome. You just have to decide to take the jump. And as I jumped and I was falling down to the water below, I was like, this is actually pretty fun. And we got back to the house that night, and I said, Holly, you know, your brother and I, we jumped off that bridge that you've jumped off of with him before. And she looked at me, and she goes, I've never jumped off a bridge. <laughs> all you parents who are like telling your kids, like, if all your friends were jumping off a bridge, and they're like, well, the answer is yes. Yes, I would do it too, okay? Right? But you have this choice in that moment. Am I going to take the jump? Am I going to overcome my fear? Or am I going to retreat back to comfort and safety? Who loves an adrenaline rush? Who loves the adrenaline rush? You love to be on the edge of safety, speed. Anyone? Where's the adrenaline rush people? Right? Okay, a bunch of you. 
Where's the dopamine hit people where you're like, I get my rush from being wrapped in a warm blanket, pumpkin spice latte on my couch. That's the rush that I want right there, right? Okay. So last weekend, my son Jaden and his friend Andre, they got invited on the trip of a lifetime, also with my brother-in-law Troy. So he's, he's the adrenaline junkie. And uh, they got invited to go mountain biking in Whistler and Squamish. And so this is a trip that they were really excited about. And, and we were saying goodbye to them as they were getting ready to leave. And, and uh, Holly was there and Andre's mom was there. And, and they were saying bye to the boys in, you know, typical mom fashion. Like, like don't do anything dumb. You know, like, be safe, you know. Uh, you know, just like, be careful. And Andre looked at his mom and said, Mom, I'm full sending it. I'm full sending it. Do you know what full send? Have you ever heard full send? Full send is kind of like an adrenaline junkie term. Uh, it kind of means to do something full send means to be all in. It means to be 100% committed. Full send means that I'm not concerned about the risks of falling or failing. I'm all in. Let her rip. Give her. Pedal to the metal, full throttle, full send. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to live full send. Tell them that. Tell them, I want to live full send. How many know that the moms weren't exactly, you know, excited to hear him say that he's going to full send the weekend at the mountain, bar, uh, mountain bike park? It takes courage to do, to do something full send. It takes courage to be completely committed to something without letting the fear of falling or failing stop you. But how many know that courage isn't just for adrenaline junkies, is it? How many know that it takes courage to get out of your car and to walk into an unfamiliar social setting? For some of you, it took courage today to come into church. Maybe it's your first time here in a long time, or maybe just crowds aren't your thing, but it took courage for you to be here today. How many know it takes courage to pick up the phone and initiate that awkward conversation? It takes courage to quit your secure job and to take on a new career change. It takes courage to step out and ask someone if you minded, if they, if they minded if you prayed for them in that moment, rather than just going home and praying about it on your own later. It takes courage. It takes courage. You don't have to be an adrenaline junkie to know that it takes courage. We've all been confronted with the agonizing decision to full send it or play it safe. Right? We've all had that moment right before we were about to be confronted with something where we just paused and say, okay, am I going to take that step forward and go down this path which is going to lead to these things or am I going to choose a different path that seems a little safer, a little bit more comfortable? Am I going to full send it or play it safe? Now, I don't know whether you consider yourself courageous or not. I don't think most people tend to think of themselves as courageous. We think of courageous people as people who live in a constant state of fearlessness, right? That's what we think courage is, this constant state of courage, uh, of fearlessness. But here's what I've discovered. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is actually the ability in the crucial moments to do things in spite of your fear. Courage is not a constant state of fearlessness, but it's a series of continuous decisions to face your fears. Most of you are more courageous than you think. You know, life is full of what we call those pivotal moments, right? It's those moments like when I was on the bridge, I could go one way or I could go another. 
right? The pivotal moment is when I can choose to full send it or to play it safe. The, I can choose to confront my fears or I can choose to retreat to safety. And in those pivotal moments, we have an, uh, an opportunity to step out or to step back. How many know that the decisions we make in those pivotal moments have the uh, potential to change the course of our lives, right? We step out and we find ourselves down one road or we go back and we find ourselves down another. I think it's pretty safe to say one of the biggest tests of courage that we face as Christians is responding to the call of God on our lives. Of responding to the things that God calls us to do. Acts of obedience and and, uh, steps of faith. Those things that God calls us to do always comes with a pivotal moment where we are confronted with this uh, decision, this choice to either step out and step forward or to step back, of going full in, all in, full send, or playing it safe. And so if you're just joining with us, we're wrapping up a series today. Uh, it's been a sermon series and a life group series that we've called Life Shared. Uh, and in this series, we kind of had this secondary tagline of everyone everywhere. Say it with me. Say everyone, everywhere. See, the thing is, we want everyone everywhere in our city to come to the knowledge of the love of Jesus Christ. And we want everyone everywhere in our region to know the saving grace of Jesus. And we've been saying that everyone everywhere starts with someone somewhere. Starts with someone somewhere. Before we reach everyone everywhere, we have to reach someone somewhere. And in order to reach someone somewhere, someone somewhere here needs to reach out and reach out towards them. And so we felt like God put this on the heart of our leadership team as we're coming out of the summer and we're moving into the momentum and ministry of the fall to mobilize us as a church, to, to see beyond our church, to look outside our walls, to look outside of our lives and to say, Jesus, how can we be a part of seeing your kingdom expanded in our region? How can we talk to the people we love and care about, about the Jesus that we love and care about? In week one, we talked about uh, Paul's growth mindset. In week one, we talked about how a change in perspective brings a change in purpose. And how as we change how we see ourselves and as we see God and we see the people around us, we realize that there's a calling of God on our lives, that we've been made for a purpose. In week two, we looked at Peter, and we talked about stop, look, and listen, and give what you have. And the idea was that the power that heals and transforms people is Jesus, but the hands that lifts people up are ours. God's given us this opportunity. And last week, we talked about Jesus' words, that there's more ready to be brought into God's kingdom than there are people to bring them in. And I loved all week at 9.38, various people in the morning, in the evening, people would be like, Pastor, I'm thinking about you because I'm praying, Matthew 9.38, that God would send laborers to the harvest. And, And we've been praying that God would send people. But we've also been talking about this idea that we need to be ready to be responsive to that prayer ourselves. As we wrapped up last week, we wrapped up with Matthew 28, 18. It says this, Jesus came and told his disciples that I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. 
And so all of these sermons and all of these life group studies have been building towards something, been building towards this week. I've been excited about this week because at the end of this week, we're going to be moving to two services. But even more important than that, this is what we're calling Full Send Week. All of this has been moving towards imagining what would happen if everyone in our church shared the love of Jesus with someone this week. Imagine that. What if everyone in our church shared the good news of Jesus with someone this week? Last week we talked about the statistics that said that 80% of Christians believe it's their responsibility to talk to people about Jesus or to invite people to Jesus or even to invite them to church. But we saw statistically, it's abysmal how many people in the last six months actually have. And so we've been talking about this. It doesn't take a lot. If you were in the life group this week, we talked about hospitality. How can hospitality, Jesus is always eating and drinking with people because he was like me. He loved food. I just know when I want to be more like Jesus, it's because Jesus loved to eat. And, and I just know that. But the table, the hospitality was a place of sharing the love and good news of Jesus. You know, but I think what happens is there's a hesitation that many of us have about this calling on our life. We know that we should, we know that we want to, but we have a hesitation. And it made me think about the first time I took the first aid CPR course. Anyone taking the first aid CPR course? I took the first aid CPR course a number of years ago. And when I took this course, I took the two-day course. I got the long intensive, and, and we were there. We, we sat in the class, and I took notes, and we watched the videos, and we had the dummies out on the floor, and we practiced giving them, you know, mouth-to-mouth, and we got the AED machine, and we practiced giving it the jolt of life, and we, we did all of this over the two days, and at the end of the two days, they gave me a, a little card that said, you are certified to give first aid. And I was like, well, thank goodness for that, Right? But here's what happened. I put that card in my wallet, and about two weeks went by. And after about two weeks, I found myself thinking, the card says I'm certified, but I sure hope no one ever needs my help. <laughs> right? Because I haven't. I did all the training, but about two weeks later, I'm like, what if I don't get it right? What if I forget? Well, what if I don't have my notes with me? Like, hold on, I know you're choking. Let me go back to my notes here. One second, right? I know I wrote this down somewhere, right? Like, what if, what if? What if someone needs me and I don't know how to respond properly? Have you ever been faced with that? Right? They considered me certified, but I had my doubts. I questioned my training. Will I get it right? What if I find myself in over my head and I don't have what it takes? Thankfully, I haven't had to respond to too many first aid calls. And here at the church, you are in great hands. We have so many nurses and doctors in our church. We have a whole protocol that Pastor Kirsten's worked out. You know, they, we have a whole system. If you see the number 99 flash up on the screen, and they're going to be going, you'll see people getting up and going out to the, is it 99 or 999? Whatever, there's a bunch of nines. You'll see people get up and go, and, uh, and they're going to be uh, attending a call. And, and it's good. That's good. But here's the thing, you realize something needs to be done. When, you, when you're faced with the circumstances where someone needs you, a couple weeks ago, someone had a fall in our parking lot, and there was blood, and there was, you know, all this stuff, and, and something needed to be done. How many know in that moment, I responded, as something needs to be done. Someone needs to help. And so I'm here, so I guess I better respond. How many know? I didn't, in that moment, you just jumped in and did what you could. You push through the feelings and you step up to do what you can. 
Doing something, even if it isn't the perfect thing, is better than letting your, paral- your fears paralyze you into doing nothing. Right? And so we respond. But you know what alleviates your fears? That gives you courage? Even in pivotal moments like that is when you have someone with you that knows what they're doing. Right? That takes all the fear away. When they know what they're doing and they can help you and coach you and guide you where they can step in if necessary, that brings a lot of courage. It takes away these fears. And so in this passage, Jesus commissions his disciples. Uh, he says, I want you to go and make disciples who go and make disciples themselves. And then he ends with this courage-building statement. He says, and be sure of this, I am with you always. Would you say that with me? Say, I am with you always. Half the time we don't take Jesus at his word. Jesus said, I am with you always. God's presence in our lives is supposed to be a source of courage. That in the pivotal moments when we're wavering between faith and fear, when we're wavering between courage and comfort, we need to have this reoccurring theme through scripture that God is with us. In Jacob, in Genesis 28, 15, God says, I am with you, and I'll protect you wherever you go. To Israel, in Isaiah 41, God says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. To Joshua, facing the promised land and the loss of his mentor, Moses, he says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so here we see it again. In Matthew 28, Jesus is giving them the full send. He's saying, guys, you are ready. You are, you are certified. I'm sending you out to go and make disciples to share this incredible good news. He says, and you can have courage because I am with you. God is with you. He's with you. God is with you. He's with you today. Would you just say that? Say, God is with me. I can have courage because God is with me, always. I don't need to fear. I don't need to doubt. I don't have to have it all figured out because someone's with me and he says he's gonna coach me and guide me, that he's gonna step in if he needs to. God is with me. So what the time we have left, I want us to look at a story. Found just a couple of chapters earlier in Matthew's account of what this all looks like in action. Uh, you know, because it's one thing to be courageous from the comfort of your couch, but it's another thing to be courageous when you're out in the real world, right? It's one thing to be courageous when you're at the comfort of your church, but it's another thing to be courageous when you're at school or at work or at your family Thanksgiving dinner table. Sometimes you need courage, depending on who you're with. So turn with me to Matthew 14, 24 to 32. It's a story of a man who thought he was in over his head and who thought he didn't have what it took to obey Jesus. You know, Scripture has a lot to say about fear. In fact, it might surprise you that the command that appears most often in Scripture isn't to love one another. It's not to have hope or to be humble. It's not to live holy or righteously. The number one command in all of Scripture from the most times is do not fear. Surprising, isn't it? Why? I think it's because fear is the number one reason we're tempted to avoid courageously doing what God's called us to do. So time and time again, Jesus and Scripture says, do not fear. Do not fear. Matthew 14, 
22 to 32, the Bible tells us that Jesus was on a ministry trip with his disciples, and it was getting late one night, and he wanted us to have some alone time. The introvert part of Jesus showed up. He said, you know what? I've been with you guys all day. He said, it's time for you to get in the boat and head out. He said, go across the shore, and I'll take the next ferry, and I'll meet you over there. And so he sends them out, and he goes into the night to pray uh, alone. And it says that meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, not on the ferry, but walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here with you. Take courage, I'm with you. Some of you gotta be reminded of that tomorrow. Take courage, I'm with you. Take courage, I'm with you. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted, and Jesus immediately reached out, and he grabbed him and said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they claimed. Now, the first thing I want to pull our attention to is who initiated this pivotal moment in Peter's life? Who initiated? Did you ever pick up on that, that it was actually Peter who initiated And he's the one who asked Jesus to call him out. He says, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. For all the flack that we give Peter, and even in this story, we look at his shortcomings and his failures, I think we really see the true nature of Peter's heart. And we see it here. He says, Jesus, I want to be where you are. I want to do what you're doing. That's Peter's heart. I want to be where you are. I want to do what you are doing. I want to live full sand for you, Jesus. And the result is this miraculous moment where he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water towards Jesus. But then in verse 30, we see Peter having second thoughts. He begins to wonder if I've just made a huge mistake. You ever had that courageous moment where you stepped out and you're like, this is it, I'm doing it. And you stepped out and then all of a sudden you thought, maybe I've made a big mistake, right? Maybe I'm in over my head. You start wondering, God, is this really what you called me to do? Because this isn't what I thought it was going to be like. He had this sinking feeling washed over him. See what I did there? The sinking feeling. All right. There's layers to this creativity in my mind. I just, you just got to know it. It happens to all of us. That moment we courageously take this, and we're confronted with the thoughts, I'm not sure. If this was a good idea, I'm not sure that I actually heard from God. I'm feeling really vulnerable right now. And nothing sinks faith faster than fear. See, in the boat, Peter's faith was rock solid. But now on the waves, his faith was wavering. Let's see what I did. (laughs) Telling you. Stick with me. There's layers to this creativity. See, a wandering focus weakened his faith. It says that he saw the wind and the waves. You know what's amazing about that? The wind and the waves were the same as they'd been when he was in the boat. 
He'd already seen the wind and the waves, but in that moment, he saw Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to be where you are, and I want to do what you're doing. Call me out. And so it stepped out of a perfectly good boat, and he began to walk on the water. Nothing had changed. His circumstances hadn't changed. Jesus hadn't changed. He hadn't changed. The winds and the waves hadn't changed. The only thing that changed, the Bible says, was his focus. It shifted. When he saw the strong wind and waves, it says, what do you do when you don't know what to do? He, he, he had no other choice. He's dependent on the one who knows what to do. And he calls out to Jesus. And Jesus saves him and pulls him close to himself. And he says, why do you have so little faith? Why did you doubt me? I think the question is crucial for all of us because we look at the story, we could relate to how Peter perceived that he was in over his head. We could relate to Peter, we understand how he believed that he was beyond his ability and, and we understand how daunting the storm was to him. We empathize with Peter because how often we feel the same thing when we are responding to God's call too. Right? Am I in over my head? Do I have what it takes? This is going to be harder than I thought it would be. You know, happy anniversary, by the way. This is the two-year anniversary since I got to preach to you for the first time. Isn't that amazing? But every time I respond to God, even in coming here, I love Penticton. I love being here. It's such a privilege to be your pastor. But that whole journey was faith steps of saying, God, I don't know if I have what it takes to pastor these people. Not because they're bad, right? Because I don't know if I have what it takes, right? All these questions. God, will you show up? What's it going to be like? And faith step after faith step after faith step. We emphasize with Peter because we understand how we feel responding to the call of God on his life. Our fears can overwhelm our faith at times, and so we don't step out. But notice that Jesus doesn't address any of those fears. He doesn't acknowledge them. He doesn't say, hey, Peter, the reason that you sunk was because of this or that or whatever. He doesn't say, hey, your fear was irrational. How many know his fears were based in reality, right? Like, there's such a thing as gravity, and there's such a thing as, like, you know, the surface tension of water that doesn't hold up a grown man. There's such a thing as waves and wind. It's all rational. It's all valid concerns. He doesn't address any of that. Jesus simply says to him, why did you doubt me? I think you were right to doubt your own abilities. You were right to doubt the circumstances. You were right to think that you were in over your head. But in the middle of all that, he says, why did you doubt me? Jesus bypasses all of those surface reasons and valid excuses, and even the invalid ones too. He says, why did you doubt that my call on your life could be accomplished? Why did you doubt that my strength was enough to keep you standing? Why did you doubt that my power was enough to keep you moving towards and moving forward in less than ideal circumstances? Why did you doubt me? We've been there, right? Have you ever been there? responding to a prompting that God had put on your life. Felt like God had called you to take a faith step. Maybe it was a step uh, of being generous. God has called you to uh, something generous. Or maybe it was forgiving. That you felt God calling you to do something forgiven. Maybe it was something to, to let go of or to lay down and surrender. Or maybe it was to share your faith with someone and help them meet Jesus. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, we're faced with these real fears, these real doubts, and yet in spite of all this, Jesus says, why do you doubt me? 
know what I love so much is that this story encapsulates so well the battle we all face. Right? From the moment we put our faith in Jesus, we're faced with this capitulation between fear and faith. We're, you know, between comfort and courage. We're, we're faced with this, uh, this battle. And, and I love how this story, as much as we think it's about Peter's failure, it's not actually a story of failure. It's a story uh, of, 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 of freedom. And it's a, a story of growth because of all Jesus' followers sitting in the boat, Peter was the one who personally experienced a miraculous encounter with the power of God on his life. He was the one who experienced the blessing of taking a God-ordained risk. You know, sometimes we need to recognize that Jesus didn't take Peter's failure as a cause for dismissal. Peter didn't actually fail the test. He actually passed the test because he was willing to step out. And even though the end result needed a little bit of work, we actually see that it moved him to the head of the class. See, courageous people are rarely fearless. They just learn to let, not let fear paralyze them, but to do things afraid. In that moment, Peter stepped out and he did this thing. You know, I told you about my fears as a first aid responder, that I wouldn't remember what to do in the moment, that, you know, if someone was wounded and hurting and needing my help, I wouldn't know what to do. Thankfully, there's something called recertification, and to be honest with you, I'm actually in need of recertifying right now. Right? You gotta recertify. You gotta, you know, brush up. You gotta to get back uh, and reacquaint yourself with the material. You know, Scripture tells us how we can recertify to keep our faith active and growing and responsive to God's call. It's found in Hebrews 12:2. It says, "Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith." See, in the midst of our storms and uncertainty, when you feel like you're in over your head, you've got to refocus. You've got to say, I know the winds and the waves are blowing around me. I know my own insecurities and my own fears and inabilities, uh, but I need to refocus. How can I see Jesus in the midst of this? What is Jesus doing? Where is he right now in the middle of this circumstance? This is what Peter experienced when the object of his focus shifted. So did his faith. But he had to refocus his attention, and when he cried out, Jesus, save me, Jesus was right there for him. Jesus didn't chastise Peter for questioning himself. He just said, why did you doubt me? Overcoming fear and growing in courage isn't about trying harder. It's about trusting Jesus better, about knowing Jesus better. When we know that Jesus is able, we can trust him. And because Jesus has been faithful, we can risk obeying him. Philippians 4.13 says that when, our focus, when we focus our attention on Jesus, we experience this courageous faith that results in us saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ. I can do hard things. I can do awkward things. I can do everything God's called me to do through Christ who gives me strength. When we focus our attention on Jesus, we are filled with courage. So we gotta recertify by refocusing our faith on Jesus. And we also have to stretch a little bit. Anyone like stretcher, right? You're into stretching. The older I get, the more I need to stretch. I think that's true of us as Christians too. The older we get, the more we need to stretch. When we have young faith, when we have naive faith or simple faith, we just take Jesus at his word, but the older we get, Right? We need to stretch our faith a little bit. The Bible says here that Jesus initiates and he perfects our faith. 
You know what perfect means? Perfect means? It means to add what's missing, to add the desirable elements or qualities or characteristics to make something as good as it can be, right? We're expanding something to include areas that are missing. And so when we come to our faith, how do we make our faith more encompassing? How do we make it include areas where maybe we haven't applied it or where we've been faithful before, uh, fearful before? How do we ex- expand our faith comfort zone? It's by stretching it. How many of that when you're perfecting a recipe, it comes with a test, a taste test, right? If you're making spaghetti with taco meat, you got to taste test that sucker. And that's a story, an uh, inside joke if you didn't hear that sermon, right? But when you're, when you're perfecting the recipe, you got to taste it. It's a taste test. And as you taste it, you keep adding things to make it better. And so in my case, you add more salt and more garlic. And you just add whatever. I don't know what I'm supposed to add. So I just added more things in that story, right? But you're adding the things that are missing to make it and bring it to fulfillment. There's a taste test. And here's the thing. We love to hear stories about the powerful God we serve. But information alone isn't enough to make us courageous and faith-filled Christians, we need to have some tests. We need some testing in our lives that perfects our faith. It's called lived experience. The process God uses to help people grow in their faith is lived experience. It's initiating some action that requires a faith step. How many know when you go to the grocery store that there is usually a sliding door? And that door appears to be closed at the moment that you walk up to it. And it's not until you step up to it that it actually opens so that you can step through. A lot of the times we're following God and we feel God telling us to to do something, to approach someone, to approach a situation or share our faith. Last week we talked about this idea. Jesus said that there's more people ready to come into the kingdom of God than there are people ready to bring them. And we look at the world around us and we think, I don't see that many open doors, Jesus. Uh, It doesn't look, it looks like a lot of closed doors. It looks like a lot of people who are closed off and not open to the kingdom or to the things of God. As we look at those doors, we can be tempted to say, I'm just going to stay right here because the door's closed. But like that grocery store door, it's not until you step up to it that it opens so that you can step through. And I wonder how many times has God called us to something, he's put something on our heart to do, and he's saying, I want you to step up to do this. And we look at the door, we think, I don't know, Jesus, I might be in over my head, and beside the door looks closed, but God is saying, when you step up to it, it will open, and you'll be able to step into the purpose and plan that I've called you to. Whether it's sharing your faith, or whether it's something else today that God's called you to do, I want you to know that you can have courage to step up to the door, because it's going to open when God told you to walk through it. It's his promise to you. And here's the thing about Peter. It was a shaky experience. But how many know this experience is just one of many? One of many tests that was about to perfect his faith. This one was about walking on the water and wanting to be where Jesus was and doing what Jesus was doing. He got out of the boat. A little while later, he's going to be in a courtyard denying even, know Jesus, even knowing Jesus, a test of his faith. But all of these tests were building towards something. They weren't disqualifying him as he kept facing the test, as he kept putting into action his faith, it kept growing. And as it kept growing, he became more responsive to the leading and the promises of God. The Bible says that one day, on the day of Pentecost, Peter was the one 
who had the courage and the faith to stand up in front of crowds and crowds of people and say, what we're experiencing right now is the move of God. It says 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God that day. Those tests didn't disqualify Peter. They were qualifying his faith and growing his faith, perfecting his faith. It starts with small things and it grows towards bigger things. This week, as I said, we are excited as a church and as I've been praying through this series and praying what God would have us to do, this idea of having a full send week was on my heart. This is full send week. Last week was about praying that God would send more workers into his fields. This is the week where Bethel Church says, hey, God, we're gonna take you up on your challenge. God, we're gonna take you up on your call to go and make disciples. Now, some of us, that just scares the crap out of us. Are you gonna say crap from the pulpit? I don't know. If you don't like it, write a letter to the pastor. I'm sure he'll. <laughs> Just kidding. Scares us. Because we're like, I don't know. What if I get in over my head? What if I get, oh, I don't know. This Life Shared series has just been about making it much more simple. Let me give you a, a, a template if you don't know what to do this week. Here's a simple template for you. Hey, it's Thanksgiving week. What are you thankful for? Let them answer. You know what I'm thankful for? And then you can share your faith story. Only in 30 seconds, I gave it to you last week. This is who I was before Christ. This is how I met Christ. This is the difference that God made in my life since then. In 30 seconds, tell them what God's done in your life. Maybe it will be a door that opens and it will lead to a further conversation. Maybe it won't, but that's okay. Someone has heard the good news of Jesus in that moment. But let's be courageous. Let's share our faith. Everyone right now, I know if you were to say, if I could be committed this week to go in full send, if I could pray right now, God, would you help me share my faith with someone this week? Help me share your good news. Maybe it's been months or years since you've done it. Maybe you've never done it. But it's as simple as that. Who I was before I met Jesus, how I met Jesus, what Jesus has done in my life. If you want to know more, I'd love to talk to you about it. If you don't believe in what I believe and you just think I'm crazy, that's okay too. It's real to me, right? It's much more simple than we think. So Jesus, I pray that this week we wouldn't just be a church who comes to church, who gathers together and celebrates and worships you with courage in this building and then goes and lives preoccupied lives. But God, we would be a church who would take this call seriously. And we recognize that it's the call for all. That everyone, everywhere, starts with someone somewhere. We would say, God, would you start it with me today? Would you help me to meet someone this week that I could share my faith with? That I could share just a simple good news. Maybe it will open up a further conversation. Maybe it will open up a lifelong journey. Maybe they might even slam the door in my face. But that's okay because I know that you're with me in the middle of it. I can have courage. Maybe I won't know what to say. I'll be in over my head. That's okay. I can honestly say I don't know the answer to that. Why don't we come and discover the answer together? Maybe it's inviting someone to church so that we could fill up our two services and that would be amazing too. More people in the room who need to know you. Maybe it won't result in that. Maybe it will be an ongoing discussion that'll take years to come. That's okay too. But we know first and foremost that we've been obedient to you to go and make disciples and make disciples and make disciples 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that you've entrusted this good news with us. That you're not looking for someone more qualified. You're not looking for someone more courageous. You're not looking for someone with more answers. You're just saying to all of us, go, and I'll be with you. Go, and I'll be with you. Go, and I'll be with you. Go to school as a high school student, I'll be with you. Go to work as an employee, and I'll, go, I'll be with you. Go to your family Thanksgiving table, and I'll be with you. Go to your family, your spouse, your children who aren't serving me, go and I'll be with you. As you go, the presence of Jesus goes with you. The love of Jesus goes with you. The good news of Jesus goes with you. In Jesus' name we pray.